Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahad Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Got a little extra pep in the step because we are recording this on opening day eve, revised opening day eve, uh, as of course the schedules were recalibrated for the lockout that ended just in time to save a 162-game season, which will start tomorrow for the Cubs and Brewers. Actually, the first game of the seat. It's going to be the first game of the MLB season tomorrow, the Cubs and Brewers. And, uh, you know, we're, we're back on the uh, podcasting thing here for you folks, which means we got to start with a season preview type episode. And that's what we're dropping on you today. So we want to get into kind of the big picture stuff for the Cubs here in the 2022 season. Um, what is going to matter, what's not going to matter, what we think could happen for the Cubs, what we think should happen for the Cubs, all, all of that kind of stuff that you, and I mean this in a legitimate way, the stuff that you talk about when you aren't necessarily expecting this to be a, all right, how do they make the playoffs type season? Uh, so we'll, we'll start there. Maybe let's start with a little conversation about, I always like to contextualize it in this way what is a successful year for the Cubs this year? You know, I think I've noticed a lot of uh, Bulls fans are kind of freaking out right now in frustration about the last couple of months. And I think back, I'm not a hardcore Bulls fan or anything, but I was there in the conversations before the season started. And it's like, well, what does success look like for the Bulls this year? What's a, what is a successful season? And I seem to recall people saying making the playoffs would be seen as a success, a sort of stepping stone success. And of course, the Bulls just clinched last night, but I only see frustration and anger. And so uh, I want to get people on the record. That's my point there. With the Cubs, what is success this year? What what does success look like for the Cubs in 2022 as we sit here the day before the season starts? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it would be if they if they push for a playoff spot or are close, uh, if it, you know, even if they end up selling some relievers at at the deadline or something like that, they uh, they have a few players emerge, uh, guys like you know Suzuki and Nico and Madrigal and Clint Frazier. They look like they're, if not, uh, you know, more than just everyday players, at least everyday players that that Ross can really can lean on and say like i'm definitely putting these guys in the lineup uh on a near daily basis in 2023 you'd like to see some pitchers take a step forward right justin Steele, if caleb killian debuts if if brendan davis debuts uh guys like that uh perhaps showing some uh some flashes that they can be with brendan you hope that he can look like a star right that or at least shows the flashes like this is the this is a guy that as he continues to develop at the major league level could become a star type thing uh so those are that's what i think is success for them i think you know most fans may not may just be playoffs or bust but i don't think that's (laughs) i don't think that's the year that it is for the cubs so you take these you take these smaller victories individual victories and and hope that they can build off them and 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 if that's the case if ultimately what i think success would be is if you can say that if it's not the playoffs then it's hey they kind of exceeded expectations and maybe it, this is moving a little faster than hoped and 2023 should be a, a playoff contending year you should go into 2023 hoping that uh, 
the playoffs are a very realistic uh, endgame. Yeah, I think we'll you'll know it when you see it. I think Saad laid out. We're most trying to of talk the, about the baseball, there. and Patrick's on here talking about pornography and obscenity. You know it when you see it. Gosh, <laughs> this is come on. This is a family <laughs> baseball podcast, Patrick. Please, I'm I'm glad you got that reference, Brad. I think that really speaks to where your head is at while you're out. What other t- uh, taking taking it to the streets yeah. of Chicago? What, what other tabs I have uh, open on my computer here? Like, yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. you can edit that out, Michael. You can uh, I mean, you can overlay an ad there. Right? <laughs> no, I think we uh, you know kind of you saw last year like how bad it could be, and then there were also some you know kind of f- funny surprises, and I don't know it's. Maybe I'm just coming down from March Madness, but I have like one shining moment stuck in my head. And I'm really looking forward to like the dumb stuff that like happens throughout the year. And I don't know, for some reason, like Jonathan Herrera's helmet popped into my head, like the rally helmet with the dismembered <laughs> hands and, you know, Rizzo clowning around pitching against Freddie Freeman or like, you know, Jason Hamill being pissed at Rick Renteria for taking him out of the game too early and then getting traded like hours later. Like there's just so much crazy, unpredictable stuff that's going to happen. That's kind of where my head is at of just Luther Vandross <laughs> singing um, while weird stuff happens around the Cubs. And that to me would be a successful year of us having lots of uh unusual things to talk about and i think from a cubs perspective if they can minimize some of that stuff i think uh it'll be a successful year when you can go into next offseason i'm not fast forwarding over all 162 games but when the organization doesn't really view it as all that sacred i don't think we have to like uh sweat the wins and losses here i love that in addition to adding to my playlist for this evening, um, now I know what I'll be listening to, but I love the the references you point to were by and large, maybe not all of them, but like they evoke that 2014 season. And, and it was uh, similar, and we've talked about this before, but it, it was a similar time in terms of knowing simultaneously that um, it would be unrealistic to say that the only version of success this year is a postseason appearance. But also knowing that it, it it wouldn't be appropriate to say this is the start or this is the continuation of punting several more years. You know, it was, okay, well, 2014, as you'll recall, the focus, we had the cookies coming up, we had prospects coming up, and we had a situation where we knew the Cubs would potentially put themselves in a position to spend big after the season in order to start competing in 2015 and beyond. And so that was the idea of what success was in 2014. And I don't think there, there are parts of that that I don't see as perfectly parallel. Cause I don't know that the Cubs have the same level of like obvious guys coming through this year that we're looking to say, graduate and become part of the core, but they actually have some of those guys already on the roster right now. You know, like it's, it's the Nico Horners and the Nick Madrigals and maybe even some of those older guys, the Frank Schwindels that you would want to leave this season seeing Oh yeah, they there are some guys that are established now that I can see the path to competing in 2023 much easier. And so for me the answer does come very similar to what you guys said is that success this year 
whatever it looks like. It could it could take 50 different shapes. But when I'm sitting there in November, I need to be able to look at what happened and say, oh yeah, this is a team that can compete in 2023. And moreover, should do the things this offseason necessary to compete in 2023. I mean, we, I think from the start of this past offseason, we were, it wasn't a matter of making excuses for the Cubs, but it was sort of seeing the big picture for the Cubs and knowing that the things that were going to be done this offseason were the things that made sense within a context of maybe not competing in 2022. You know, not doing things exclusively to compete in 2022 to the exclusion of your best version of success in 23 and beyond. Whereas next offseason, I think I would like to be in a position where that balance feels like it's tilting a bit and that I can look back and see that the, the, the things that happened on the farm system, the things that happened with some of the individual players in the big leagues, the things that happened with the way the Cubs compete. We could talk about that in a second too. I mean, like the, the, the changes that they've made sort of on the coaching staff and to the way they're constructing a roster, the giant stuff that we always talk about. I mean, I'd like to see some fruits from that this year, whether that means winning games to a level where they're competing Maybe, maybe not. But like, I kind of want to see some of that secret sauce manifesting and being like, oh, I can have a little more confidence going into next year. And um, so, like I said, there's multiple versions of that. Uh, one of which is maybe they do stay right there on the periphery of the playoff uh, picture through the deadline. They don't do a massive sell-off, whatever that would even look like with this roster. I'm not entirely clear, but um, and they ultimately maybe don't make the playoffs, but you you see that progress. Fine, great. Um, but I can also see a version where they're terrible and they sell off and they tank and they're just they're not intentional tanking, lowercase t tank. Uh, and <laughs> and that's fine too, depending on the way the farm system is played out, individual stories, and all that. So I guess to that end, here's a here's a related corollary question. In an ideal world, from Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins' perspective. What do you think this year should look like to them? Like, what are they looking at it as the Cubs organization? And they get to pick other than perhaps, I mean, winning the World Series, right? Obviously. But like sort of within a realistic world, what is their best version? Is it making the, just sort of squeaking into the playoffs and then getting bounced? Or what is their best version of this year? Yeah, that's a, (laughs) that's an interesting question because I kind of I do wonder if the best version is is things certain core pieces guys that are going to be around for years looking up looking like yeah you know kind of what I stated before some of these guys kind of stepping up and emerging as core pieces but also being able to sell again at the deadline you know that never say that that never admit that but this isn't a year where I I mean unless certain players just really look great right just like there's a superstar here on this team that we we aren't seeing right now and and uh you know stroman takes a, a leap or you know or just looks like the best version of himself Hendricks is back what miley comes back and is, and is healthy i mean a lot of things have to go right especially on the pitching side for this for this team to really look like a special team so <laughs> it's it's just like a, this insane long shot so i think they'd be they'd be happy if there's progress in certain areas and then they can trade like 
a certain group of you know veteran relievers have have played well in the first half and they can get some prospects if it's wilson and they need to move him and they can get a bigger piece uh i mean i think that rather that happen than the previous years of you know i think they prefer 2021 to 2019 right where oh, yeah. right where you the collapse is in june july rather than september you you don't want that. So it's it's hard to say obviously they like the playoffs. I, I mean, but is that going to get them what they want beyond 2020? What year are we? 2022. Uh, <laughs> so like they they want to make sure that that it's that the playoffs this year don't cost them uh really improving the roster or the organization in the long term and i think that's that's really what they're looking for a healthy organization uh these new hires the 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 player development everything it should look like it's going in the right direction right you want to see all these young prospects uh for the most part stay healthy and look like they're going to be the type of players that everyone's uh hyping them up to be uh the the pitching you you want to see the pitching in the minor leagues really take a step forward, right? We've seen all these velocity gains. Okay, now we need results. We need command. We need results on the mound. We need that type of stuff happening. You want to see... Health. Yeah, health. You want to see Cole Franklin pitch a full season, right? Uh, whatever that means uh, innings-wise for him. You want to see guys more guys like Ethan Roberts. Like, they're they're excited about Ethan Roberts. They're excited about Kane Eckert. Like, if they, have, if they don't have to spend on bullpen guys and they can develop them... That's a huge thing that they missed out on in, the, in their last uh, window of contention. All those types of things would be really big if if they're coaching great guys like Greg Brown, if if the new pitching infrastructure with Daniel Moscos working with Tommy Hadvey and CY, if those guys are really uh, figuring things out and they have this uh, this edge on other teams, other organizations, and and they start looking more like the Dodgers and Rays, and you know aren't just treading water. Uh, I think that would be big for them. And and they should look more like the Dodgers than the Rays in the sense that you want them to start spending aggressively again if the if they're be able to really develop talent. I think we should think about like what failure looks like this season because instead of defining success, I don't know about you, Sahade, but I didn't like fly out of Phoenix thinking like, wow, this team's clicking on all cylinders. That like, what if... The Cubs didn't outsmart everyone with all of these cast-off guys and, like, none of them clicked this year. And what if a compressed spring training uh, leads to more pitcher injuries and the driveline pixie dust doesn't work on these guys and they can't get major league hitters out and stay healthy in the minors and the majors? And that Cubs fans look around and are like, you know what, I'm not really into this team this year because, like, the – bosses don't really seem to be into this team and then it creates this closed loop cycle of the rickets not really boosting baseball sending for the following offseason and that you know this team that was kind of thrown together on guys with one-year deals don't really have like the collective kind of muscle memory and trust to get through some of these tough times earlier in the season and maybe the brewers just run away with things and the cubs are left um, kind of without much to look forward to or to build upon for next season. I, I think that, you know, I, I say that with a lot of respect for 
uh, David Ross and, and his coaching staff. And I think it's been proven what Jed's doing works. Like over the long run, um, this is kind of the the way baseball is played now. I get that whole part of it, but I think it could get really ugly too. And that's something that we always discount coming out of spring training when it's so relaxed and the weather's great and it's not one game after another and the results don't matter. Do you like Formula One, but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's not even just about like imagining a worst case scenario and because that's not hard to do. You look at each individual player and it's like, yeah, I can conceive of what that downside looks like. Um, but it's also just that... <sighs> the season just never takes the shape that you think it will good or bad. It always ends up being this like mix of, Oh, well this ended up playing out this way and this ended up playing out this way. And um, I think that we probably do just, just naturally, it's just the nature of things in spring training coming out of spring training. We focus more on the potential upside, whether to the team, to an individual player, to a storyline, to whatever. I think probably the one I gotta, I gotta phrase this really artfully because it's one of those. It's just a, a total danger zone if you say this the wrong way, uh, because it could be true every year, and then the team just never competes. I think one positive. I'm, I'm putting an asterisk there. I'm not sure that's the right word. I got to get to the end of the sentence, and then I'll let you know if that's the right word. But one positive thing about what the Cubs have done this off season and what they've set up going forward is that. If a really bad scenario plays out this year um, and and all of the things that uh, you mentioned, Patrick, play out, at least they won't have also baked in a lot of harm to 2023 and beyond by sort of signing some guys to deals that make kind of some sense now, make a lot less sense next year and even less sense the next year. Uh, and you've sort of you've taken on that weight in years when now you realize, oh crap, we're even further set back. Um, now again, I get that the, the very easy counter to that is, well, that's a great way to never sign any meaningful deals. Totally. But that's also why the Cubs weren't going to ball out on a 10-year deal for Carlos Correa right now, because the best impact you're supposed to get from him is right now. And that wasn't going to, he wasn't going to be the difference between this team competing and not competing uh, on his own, at least. And so, I think you could look at some of those decisions and you could look at the ones that the Cubs did make. A lot of one-year deals, but also Marcus Stroman, Seiya Suzuki, both multi-year deals, but both guys who could be at least as impactful in 2023 as they could be in 2022. You look at that package of moves and you say, well, it works toward what we hope happens, which is, you know, the Cubs certainly hope that they are in the position that we talked about earlier that you end this season and you say, ah, things are looking good for 2023. 
when you take the whole picture, that's where we are. We think things look good. Um, all these moves work toward that, either because someone's rolling off the books, someone was traded for a future piece, or someone is still under contract but is still contributing and relatively young. Or things go badly, and this year doesn't become a productive year for whatever number of you know parade of horribles that we can imagine. But at least it isn't like, oh, and also we signed Carlos Correa to a 10-year deal and his back flared up horribly and he regressed terribly. So now there's nine more years of that that we're going to be climbing uphill against as we try to make up for the fact that the things that we thought were going to work didn't work in 2022. So yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to where I said the positive thing. I'm going to take the asterisk away and, and I mean it. Yeah, it, that's a positive is that at least they've done no harm to any future season in a meaningful way this year in additional in addition to the things that they're hoping will be progress this year uh brett has been clearly like accosted by jed hoyer and like sat down in a room <laughs> at his like <laughs> at his eyes pinned open and jed, forced to watch like <laughs> they're talking about it right now uh yes i i think it that's similar to Jed Hoyer's thought process of he is very uh, concerned about having his hands tied for the 24 or 25 season financially because he doesn't want to be in any sort of financial mess for what he views as uh, a window opening in a couple years of not just an okay team, but what he thinks can be really great. Uh, and, and he wants to make sure that he can continue to spend and spend aggressively in a few years. I don't know what that looks like, and I'm very curious to what spending aggressively looks like uh, under a Jed Hoyer regime. I think it may look different than uh, a Theo Epstein uh, spending aggressively regime. So, so I, I am curious to see what that is if it if it happen if and when it happens. Uh, if we're if we're touching on Patrick's you know worst case scenario type thing. I think it all comes down to pitching. This is this pitching staff, this starting staff coming into the season is better than last year. I just don't think that's saying very much. I have major concern uh, about what happens after Hendricks and Stroman, and uh, I shouldn't. It's less like it's less that I don't think that it's not that I think that J Justin Steele or Keegan Thompson aren't talented. I just don't know how it's going to work out over the course of 162. Uh, Wade Miley's injury really sets them back. I think it, it, it's. I was thinking about this uh, on the flight home. They they essentially what they need to kind of surprise. Uh, now that Miley's down, is they basically need if if Justin Seals going to be inconsistent and have some good months, some bad months, some good. They they need to be April great starts. That's what he needs to do to really uh, help this uh, starting staff out. And like just to be open and honest, I I need to see what what Kyle Hendricks does. I know that's some people may think that's silly and that last year was just a fluke bad year, but I just want to see it. I want to make sure that it wasn't the beginning of like a slow downtrend. Uh, Cause guys that throw, you know, 86 to 89, if something is slightly off, that's going to be rough. It, there's just no wiggle room there. So if he isn't, uh, pristine with his command it could be another uh up and down rough season for him so that i just don't 
it's really hard to see the pitching coming together. So if it's if I had to like say that you know I oh I can see this and I actually think the offense may be pretty solid, uh, not world beaters but slightly above average and and maybe they surprise. The bullpen, I, I trust this group to figure out the bullpen. I'm not sure if they have that rock in there, but, you know, it, it's interesting. But I just worry about the starting staff, and I think that's where it may just unravel and possibly early on. I mean, I don't know how much extra extra credit <clears throat> Jed gets if they don't do, like, some disastrous deal and they, they still – uh, there are these huge roadblocks in front of them for next year. I mean, it's still he gets tons a of wasted credit, year. It's a he wasted year. Like stars. you know, no, 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 I know. Theo Epstein got that one year. I know. I know that like once in a lifetime hall pass, like because of his resume and because of where the Cubs were. But like this is professional sports, and I think there is going to be a lot of pressure points within the organization that's going to feel it if you know some of these things don't break right and. At the same time, you know, we all covered this, uh, you know, basically, you know, 10 years ago. You, a lot of things went wrong and the Cubs still won the World Series in, in five years. Like It wasn't this like flawless, uh, tension-free ride towards the playoffs. And, you know, I'm not like cataloging the mistakes. It's just that like this happens. No one bats a thousand, whether it's signing – Edwin Jackson, they didn't develop a single pitcher through the draft uh, that helped their squad. I mean, they cycled through managers and hitting coaches without finding the guy they want. I mean, Anthony Rizzo went through some real, like, growing pains to, like, get to that point where he was that guy for the World Series. You know, there were missed opportunities and, you know, things that, you know, didn't line up with how they projected it to, whether it was, you know uh, – Ryan Dempster rejecting a trade to what Atlanta and then the Cubs wind up with Kyle Hendricks and a deal with Texas that went down to the wire like crazy stuff always happens and that you know even I think to your point earlier Brett of like it never goes the way you expect and there's going to be things that surprise us in a good way and things that like totally blow up in in their face in a way that they didn't really expect either. And that's true throughout the division right and throughout baseball and and you do that's a part of this, whenever you do these sort of preview discussions, we are uh, necessarily myopic because this is a Cubs podcast. And so we're going to talk about the Cubs uh, and that's fine. But, you know, a sport that's structured to be within divisions means that the things that happen to the other teams in your division are just about as important as the things that happen to you. And so um, we, we won't go deep on any of that, but it is true that on paper, the Brewers and the Cardinals have a better roster than the Cubs. That is just a fact. Uh, But it is also true that those are rosters that aren't without their own risks. They aren't without their own um, things that can go sideways and questions about what the depth would look like if that did happen. And so I think that in any conversation like this, you don't want to ignore that factor that, hey, Maybe the reason that the Cubs are surprisingly competitive this year is because it only takes 86 games to win the Central. And no one would project that now, but that shit happens. And so, you know, you, you keep yourself open to that. And I'm I am not saying that that's the only way the Cubs are going to compete is if a couple teams fall on their faces. But I think that that's just a factor that bears mentioning. And also, to points that you both have made, like... 
I just I don't want to ignore the fact that it is true that this is a roster with some positive variance potential. You know, there there is a potentially really interesting lineup there. Like a lot of things got to break right. But if they did, if a lot of guys hit their 80th percentile projection in the same year, this is a hell of a good offense, actually. It's just that that doesn't usually happen. Um, defensively, there, there could be a lot of um, good coordinating of guys that actually ends up being sort of a, a maybe not great defense, but like a, a solid one. A solid one that's good enough to support a starting staff that maybe does have some surprising young breakouts on it. And the bullpen... Like Todd have said, that's the one that I sort of just leave out of my mind because, you know, literally throughout the last decade, it doesn't matter who was in the mix. Like they always seem to get production out of the bullpen. And so I feel pretty good about that. It's, you know, there's, there, there are storylines here to watch. If, if you're, even if you're not into it in the same way that I am, for example, where like my focus is on the, the, the makeup of the roster at the end of the season, maybe a little bit more than right now. Uh, it's, I'm still going to be watching the games. I'm still going to be rooting for the Cubs to win. I'm still going to be checking the standings and all that. And I, I think there's still going to be that there for you as a fan, uh, at least for a little while, hopefully maybe into, into June. And then as we saw last year, it can last, you know, into June and then it can, boy, it can accelerate <laughs> quickly in the other direction. Uh, and <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll debate at that time, whether that is actually a good or bad outcome in the, in the big picture for the Cubs. But that that might be my wrapping thought uh, for for this you know uh, preview discussion. Do you guys have any last thoughts you want to inject in? Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how they are able to handle uh, you know development at the major league level. That's what I'm I'm really going to focus on that this year. Obviously, the minors are big this year, but I want to see if these coaches that they brought in, if this philosophy that they've been hammering home for years now, did they finally get these coaching hires right? Uh, in a in a time when when people really believe that coaches are you know are impacting clubs with the way that they teach things, the way that they implement technology and, and the way these players kind of receive the information in ways that just hadn't happened, you know, 10 years ago, it's, it's very different. And I'm curious to see if that, how that impacts the team, because I think that can be a difference maker. I think it's a difference maker for a lot of the best organizations in baseball and the Cubs are striving to get back to that level. And I think they need to show that it's not just, yeah, we have top prospects. Yeah, we can spend money. It's also like, hey, we can find hidden gems and unearth them and then and polish them up and make them look like, you know, if, if not turn them into stars, then make them highly productive players on, on winning teams. Uh, I want to, you know, whether it's Clint Frazier, whether it's seeing how Suzuki translates uh, to the to MLB uh Frank Schwindel continuing to, you know, not it's not going to be what he did last year for two months. But if he can even come close, uh, those are the types of things I'm, I'm watching and, and I'm fascinated by this year. I'm going to be watching social media for updates on Brett's status in Chicago. I hope he survives on exclusively on Malort and Ann Sather's cinnamon rolls. Uh, I see <laughs> good things in his future. Uh, on a 40 degree afternoon tomorrow so just you know behave yourself stay safe you know make good decisions you know things like that i haven't had i was uh, you know you saying that just reminded me so uh yeah this will be my first normal-ish opening day in three years so 
Boy, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I, I do need to uh, make sure I don't go a little too nuts on the cinnamon rolls uh, at the bar. Uh, you know, so yeah, it'll be a good time. I mean, it, it um, I guess that's, that's one element of this that we didn't even touch on is that, uh, I, it's still debatable whether this year would have even been normal, quote unquote normal from a pandemic related perspective, but it is not normal because the schedule, like we said, has been recalibrated and it's in a way, it's like the third straight season that has, is just kind of got a funky flavor to it and how that ends up playing into how things play out, you know, who knows. Um, but I'm ready for it. Like Patrick said, I'm going to be there opening day and the bleachers, uh, miserable and cold, but, uh, but thirsty and ready to watch the Cubs absolutely crush Corbin Burns. Right. I mean, who could ask for a better opening day assignment than 40 degrees with Corbin Burns cutter bearing in on the hands of the lefties, his four-seamer going up and in, and Seiya Suzuki saying to himself, what the hell did I sign up for? Is this, this is what this, this is what it's like over here? Oh my God, this is terrible. No, I'm going to, no, he's going to, he's going to send one and I'm going to catch it and I'm going to stare at the camera and I'm going to wink and you guys will know that I'm winking at you. So, uh, thank you to all of you. We are happy to be back talking about the Cubs this year. And, uh, thank you to Sahadev and Patrick get their stuff over at the athletic as you always do i'm brett taylor you can get mine at bleacher nation and this is on to waveland it's the cubs podcast here at the athletic we will talk to you again soon take care